Welcome to the Dr. DJ Podcast, sponsored by LGBG, Let God Be God. I am your host, Dr. DJ, today. I'm coming with a lot of energy right now. I'm very excited for our guest here today. Um, we just had a nice, fruitful conversation. Um, and today I'm here with Marquette Sutton, um, someone that I've known a large portion of my life. Um, I don't want to talk about your school. Hyde? Yeah, one of the so best. We got, okay, yeah. one. Sports-wise, you know. <laughs> academic, too. And so I think it becomes important today. So again, this is always the unscripted podcast. We kind of find our way through the conversation. Um, but first and foremost, I want to let Marquette get the opportunity to talk about himself, introduce himself, and all the things that he's done so well. Um, and then we'll find our we'll find our space. Well, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be on. I just I just want to say that, bro. Uh, um, Marquette Sutton, a licensed professional counselor, born and raised in New Haven, Connecticut. Like he said, went to high leadership school. Uh, home with a Champions, if you will. I am also a member of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, the best fraternity in the world. No offense. Uh, <laughs> on top of that, I am a father of five. I love my children dearly. Love my wife. You know, just love everything. 49ers fan too. Can't leave that out. Can't leave that out. You're a 49ers fan. Yes. And twice on Sunday. Who's your team? Don't say Cowboys. Bears. Oh my Bears. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. We're not, we're not we're okay, talking about sports okay. right now. Okay, I'm about to say. <laughs> somebody set you up on that one. Whoa, the Bears? Nah, so so let's let's talk more about, um, and I think I appreciate this right now because you gave me my start. Okay. Not just start, but you gave me an opportunity to come on your platform, um, but also that's, you didn't mention that. So whatever platforms are you on in terms of the podcasting and the radio station stuff that you, because you, you're an expert. This is this is new for me. This is, that's Listen, your space. You are natural. Listen, when I first heard it, I listened and I listened and I kept listening. And I said, oh, I got to be up there. I texture it. I got to be up there. You know, from the texture of it, how everything looked, the sound, it caught my ear. Um, and then, yeah, I, I thank you for coming on a few years ago. You you broke it down. It was like five years ago. I didn't realize it was that long ago. That was a while ago. But, you know, we're here. So uh, Saturday night, 7 to 12 a.m., I'm on 94.3 WYBC, The Rhythm of the City. I also have Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. You can cast that on every podcast platform. And also one that I do by myself called Sutton Like That. That's about pop culture, music, um, movies, everything. So that's just me. That's the one that you on, Sutton Like That. I, 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 but I, I knew that, but I, I like those titles, and I even, we're trying to find that niche. Like, I, I, Don't Shoot the Messenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I had came with that name. I was upset because everybody kept talking about, you know, Floyd Mayweather and LeBron James. And I'm just speaking facts about the stats and how they winners. And I'm like, hey, don't shoot the messenger. And it just caught on from there. And again, it was a regular saying everybody uses. But when I talk about it and when me and my boys talk about it, I will be remiss if I forget my boy, the Rucker Report, the Sean Rucker and mm -hmm. Chris G, Chris Gay. So those are my boys right there. Those are my brothers. And also, you know, Ruck, that's my LB right there. So. I love them. Root to the bros, man. I just want, and I don't, I don't know, I don't normally do this, but I, I want, I want you to also do something I think is important when we actually. Ty was here. I was one of my frat brothers, Five yeah. Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Our final day just passed. Um, Respect. Respect. Talk specifically about your relationship with with the frat, mm. because I think it, I find it so important. Folks that don't know Greek life, okay, um, haven't had the opportunity to experience Greek life, but have perceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it connects a lot to like how we create spaces where we counsel each other, right? Where right. we, how we fellowship, how mm -hmm. we work, yeah. And also, I think it it undergirds a lot of in terms of our growth and our masculinity. So yes, I sir. think knock knock on that. So for me, um, what Omega Sci Five Attorney Incorporated has done for me is you know put me with like minded individuals, you know, men who I can grow with, men who I can learn, with, and also men coming, you know, after me who I can teach. You know, and one thing I tell everyone, it's about history, like you know. You know, I think people think that when they hear about a fraternity, you know, we just, you know, step in and, you know, we just on the yard, just, you know, being rowdy. But it's no, it's it's really understanding that history of our fraternity, of the sororities, of what black people had to endure to keep this going. And not to mention, you have to be educated. You know, you just can't be someone who's like, hey, how you doing? No, but you really have to be educated. And that's why it's so important because iron sharpens iron. You know, when you talk about the D9, like, it, it has such an aura to it. 
the divine nine, you know, because that's who we are. We are all divine. You know, we might have like our little, you know, back and forth jokes. There you go. But at the end of the day, like, I know your journey and and how you had to get to where you are, you know, is one that is probably parallel to how I had to get to where I am. But at the end of the day, we are still men who are teachers, who are providers, and who are giving back to our communities. And community is very important, you know, because regardless of what you do, you still have to come back to your community to show, okay, well, I don't just wear these letters and these colors, but this is what I'm about, and this is who we represent in this organization. I'm gonna try this, and I think I think I'm finding it right now. So we think about the 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 dozens that we play in right. Greek life, and just think about. Who chose the right organization? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's in the SEC? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but also I think about, we were having previous conversation about tearing down. Mm -hmm. And and I think about that connection in terms of you having a 20-year career in counseling as a licensed counselor and recognizing the impact of tearing down. So I'm kind of segue into, a, like we know this happens in Greek life. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's kind of a natural competition of who is running the yard and who's doing the work, but also I've seen it done well at times where we're able to be across the aisle and be able to support each other right. in the things that we want and the decisions that we make. But also there's a there's something very finite about the struggle of recognizing when it's done wrong. Yes. But also when it can be done right. And I think that I think that's very paramount to what you do in, in counseling in terms of the process. Mm -hmm. So to to answer your question you know, I, I think that you have to find that balance. You know, again, like we are part of two different organizations, but at the end of the day, it's called brotherhood. We still are a brother. You know, we've been knowing each other for years and also sisterhood. So you have to take that and, you know, as men, we also, we have this innate thing with just being, you know, macho, like I'm better than you. And again, that's just who we are. And it's a play, but it's also respecting because if I don't challenge you, then that means like, you I don't, I don't even mind who you are right yeah. like like why would i even mention you that's like when i was playing guilford back in the day like i'm not gonna talk about guilford football come on like no disrespect to anyone that went to guilford but back when y'all was playing you know y'all was you know it so when it comes to d9 when it comes to fraternities and sororities you're going to always have that who's better who's this but real men and women understand the respect of it you know and it's and it's centering back on community Mm -hmm. And why I do this, why I chose this. Um, and again, it could be someone that you know, like your father and yeah. family that you have. It could be me who had um, educators who I knew who was closely, um, you know, working with me who were, you know, men of Omega. So that's why I went that way. But at the end of the day, understanding that you still have to be good men to be in these organizations. You still have to be well-educated. Like, I can always call you Ty, Daniel Bland, my man Corey Cotton, like, people who are singles, who are good guys and, you know, just the good men. And they just happen to just take different roads. And sometimes we don't take good roads. And that's okay, but I still <laughs> love them, right? Like, I still love them. You know, it's okay. I think that you hit on, you hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and I always got to catch those, those gems that you don't always be dropping. <laughs> um, the point about you said just relationship and yes. friendship mm -hmm. and whether it's across the aisle but also you say you made the particular choices because of the relationships and the support that you received yes um, and I'm recognizing that and so recognizing how does that operate in terms of the work that you do it really operates because you know in order to do what I do you have to know who you are, first and foremost. Mm. Like, I have to understand my bias. Like, I have to understand that a lot of these kids that I'm looking at or I'm talking to, they are just like me. Mm -hmm. They come from the same neighborhoods. But I also have to understand that I'm dealing with kids who are not from my neighborhood, who might be from the suburbs, who might be from a wealthy background. And I have to know that I'm helping them because they need help. And mm -hmm. I'm a helper first. I tell anyone that I had actually spoke at Southern two months ago, and I let them know that you're a helper first. And regardless of what, you are a helper first in this field. So understanding that you have to help in knowing where you are in your vulnerable place when you need someone to talk to. I still go to counseling. People look at me like I'm crazy. I go to counseling. 
I love my therapist, um, who happens to be, again, you know, people choose the roles that they want to choose. He's an alpha. Hey, again, <laughs> we all choose different roads, man. But again, he's a great guy. I, you know, I, I, I'm joking, but, um, but again, being with a black man, you know, understanding that, you know, sometimes you need to be with people who you can identify with. And for me, it wasn't just because he was a black man, it's because he was a great man. It's because he, you know, pulled things out of me that I wouldn't have probably got out of myself if I had one with someone else who doesn't understand, you know. So when I'm helping someone, I'm making sure that myself is second and I'm tackling what's on the surface first and then understanding, you know, how is this, you know, iceberg down here? You know, mm. What is the real issues? And I always try to make sure when I'm meeting with my clients that, one, I tell them, we are going on this journey where I'm going to drive this RV and you're going to drive it some days. Mm -hmm. We're leaving from Connecticut and we're going to California. Now, it might be a smooth road some That's days. That's a long trip. And it might be, you know, bumpy, but we're going to get there. And like you said, it's going to be long. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I want you to take what you need and it's going to come with us. And what you don't, you're going to throw away. You know, so some days you're going to make detour, but we're going to get there. No matter how long it is, we're going to get there. And once we get there, we're going to still continue to unpack this trailer so it become better. So you can go back to Connecticut and come back if you need to. So that's how I try to set that metaphor. So so you, you've been in this RV with people for 20 years. I would say about a good, I've been doing mental health work for about 20, but me being an actual therapist, it's about a good 12 years. Got it. Yeah. So why did you choose that ministry? It chose me. It chose me. Talk about it. Um, being someone who come from New Haven, you know, coming from a single parent home, but having men in my life. And I tell everyone that, yeah, you know, both my parents, you know, they were substance users, but they, you know, were able to get their life on the you know, right track. You know, God bless the dead. My mother passed in 2020. She was like doing weight. She was a woman of God, woman of faith. And I wanted to know what was wrong with me. Like most therapists, they'll tell you, well, I started because I just wanted to see why I'm crazy, why I feel this way, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> And once I started to, you know, you know, get things out the way, once I started to unpack myself, I was like, wow, people always coming to me for help. So let me learn. Let me really understand what's going on. And when you're doing something like you, you know, when you were a receiver, it comes so naturally. You don't even think. You're just like, why do people have struggle with it? But then once you start to climb this ladder, you understand, like, it's classism, it's racism, sexism. It's a lot going on. So people need help with these things. And... I had to sit myself down and say, are you going to be a helper or are you going to be someone that's pretending to be a help? Mm. And the difference is someone that's a helper, you're going to study your craft. You're going to, you know, always try to get better. Someone who's pretending, they're just going to put out what they want you to see and that's it. Then they're going to go home. They're going to cry. They're not going to do anything that they told you to do, but they're going to sit in front of the camera, in front of everybody and give you this great uh, synopsis of what you should be doing, but they're not living. By. And one thing about me, like I made joke, but I try not to lie. Sometimes I got a lot of my kids, <laughs> but other than that, I got a lot of myself when my 49ers lose. But overall, like I try to be like a real genuine person. I don't like to lie, and I, cause I, so I don't want to buy a lie to me. So I want to tell you the truth. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm. I always I say this, but I, I think it's real to know that you've always been an authentic self, and I, you talk about folks that are. Pretenders, they have a particular narrative that they don't practice for themselves. They don't mm -hmm. take their own advice. And anytime that we've ever talked or seen each other, I think Chris said the same thing, having having close connections, even though you don't see each other every day. Right, right. But there's a level of respect. And so you being a character person um, and finding that walk, um, not that it's challenging. How do you just kind of navigate the space? Because there's a very interesting relationship between stigma around choosing counseling mm -hmm. even like when i go meet with my therapist why i chose to go there right. what's wrong with me am i really just mm -hmm. trying to explore my craziness right, right. <laughs> like what am what am i really unpacking and then also to be an advocate right. or a professional in that space saying i counsel without without the actual license but there are spaces that folks need to have these conversations yeah. through our masculinity where we're talking about greek life athletics yeah. City environment, like how do you how do you wrestle with that and grapple with those things? So it took me years to get to where I am, and I and I credit my wife because she pushed me. 
You know, I think that most men, we don't become who we are until we find our significant other. And, you know. So I'm not found yet. I mean, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Stop it. Stop it. See, you gave me a I gotta, joke. I got to get a joke back. Yeah, see, you know what I mean? But um, for me, it was when I found my wife because she pushed me. You know, I think because my issues were with women. You know, being I had mommy issues. So I was always a person who, you know, I needed to feel wanted by women. And so I would do things that will harbor resentment, um, will harbor a lot of, you know, uh, what they say, uh, masculine, toxic traits. Mm. That was me. Um, it was comfortable because, again, when you're not getting a lot of attention as a kid, you do whatever it takes when you get older and once you start getting money. So I didn't understand myself as well as I thought I was. I was always a good guy, but I was always like a, a sly guy, you know, because, <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I, I'm cool. But I thought I was. But once I realized what Bruh. the word, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm just being real. But once I realized what vulnerability was and not being afraid to show it, that's when the walls were, you know, really coming down, talking to my mom, getting that stuff out, really unpacking it, having great men around me, you know, like yourself, like seeing what you're doing. We might not talk every day, but you're going to get your doctorate. That's amazing. You know what I mean? You're finishing school. You're doing good things in the community. And... When you understand that's what is needed, you don't want to do it. I'm going to tell you. You don't want to do it. You fight it, and you fight it, and you fight it. But then you go, okay, how can I tell somebody to get their life together, but my life ain't together? <laughs> and I had to and I had to be real with myself. Um, and I also had to do things that I wasn't comfortable with, like reading. I'm not an avid reader. Right. But I made myself read. I made myself finish projects. I made myself stay in my space, stay in my mess, and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. And a lot of men, we aren't taught how to communicate. We aren't taught how to show our feelings effectively. Our way of you know, showing our feelings is, let me show you how manly I am. Mm. You know, let me show you how tough I am. Okay, that's cool. But what's going to happen when you need to use your intellect? What's going to happen when you're going to have to find a way to communicate with someone because she's just as strong as you are? Like, what does that look like? And so for me, it was understanding that I needed that. And it was it was understanding, and I tell everyone that I work with, it's okay to feel your feelings. It's okay to hurt. It's what you do as a reaction of that hurt that gets us in trouble. I'm going to say something right now, and I don't know if it's going to break the internet. <laughs> but what was it like? And I, I make sure I'm saying this right. If you want to change it, change it. What was it like, and you talk about your, your wife being a health mate. Mm-hmm. Being able to surrender to your wife. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. You ain't gonna tell me what to do. I'm a man first. You ain't gonna tell me. you ain't gonna help me. No, I'm gonna take care of that. Cause you might walk out anytime. And my wife used to always ask me, why are you running so much? Mm. To me, I'm not running. Yes, you are. Like I was always in fight or flight, mostly flight, because that's how I grew up. You know? Um, my mother wasn't emotionally, you know. Uh, strong because of her background then my grandmother so once I talked to them and I was like oh this is this is generational you know being emotionally invested in our kids is not something that we do even with my son you know I have my son at a young age so I thought I was a good father you know I thought I was a good provider but emotionally I sucked I'm not gonna lie but it took a while and once I learned I was able to render back and say okay well what what do I need? And that's why I tell a lot of men, ask yourself, what do you need? Because most time we don't. We always ask our spouse, hey, how can I help you? Because that's showing that we're strong. But we also need to, someone that's strong just like us. And I think that, and I, I, I know we always have this athletic mentality, mm -hmm. other men around, and obviously this our podcast really focuses specifically how does faith operate in those particular ways. And you've already highlighted that your mom being a faithful person Um when did you kind of know? Because I, th I think, and I, the reason I said the idea of surrendering and even using that word mm -hmm. of saying I needed to learn how to surrender and also surrender to the will of something I, I really, that's not, that wasn't my mode of operation. Right. And, but also recognizing that I, I might need, I might need this. Like mm -hmm. learning when your calling is your call. Because I know, I think, I, and I'm, as I'm rambling, I think more about the process and kind of digesting that because it becomes important that not that I knew what became organic and natural, but also I heard something a lot louder that was inside of me saying, I needed this, right. and I needed this person to be the person to do it 
versus someone else that may come around and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm sure you said no to other people before that. Oh, you yeah, definitely did. <laughs> definitely did with a smile on my face. Um, when I knew, I knew when she said everything that she was going to do and she did. You know, because I think for me, it was like a lot of people would say stuff. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But they never were true to their word, you know. And being true to your word is something that, you know, I take dear to. Like, I am the nicest person. And I really mean, and again, growing up, word is word is bond is something that we take seriously. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw she was, her action was matching what she was saying, that's when I knew. But even then, it still took a while. It took, I'm not going to lie, about a good two years. Before, before I really was like, okay, I'm gonna really like surrender this and go further um, in what I want to do. So it took a while. So we grew up together, same era, same yeah. time frame. Um, and I think about when I go to therapy, and I think about the things that I'm trying to unpack, mm -hmm. um, friendships that were lost, things that I thought that could be better, um, identities of myself that I thought were solid mm -hmm. but there was some there was some weakness in a lot of those situations um and i love the fact that therapy provided that but also i understand that i'm at a phase even now that surrendering becomes difficult yes because it sometimes becomes the feeling of what if they can't do it what if they can't do the thing and i that's why i love the fact you say i i was able to surrender because i I, everything she said, she I what they did, yeah. and I think about friends. I say everything they said they were going to do. I'm so now I'm willing to allow them in. Yeah. But what happens when they can't do what they say they're going to do? You kind of know that in your head when they say it. It's like I want to believe the lie, right? But you're not going to be able to do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. But you, but you got to be real with them. They got to be real with you. And I tell people the reason why a lot of people aren't successful is because of accountability. Mm. Because if they aren't Going to, if they aren't doing what they said they're going to do, okay, but what are you doing to better yourself? Because my wife doesn't make me Marquette. She doesn't make me, you know, do uh, what I need to do as far as getting up for work and being motivated. She don't make me do that. She just helps me to be a better person because she gives me that support and vice versa for her. So when you are entering that realm of therapy, it's not easy. It is hard. And the reason why people don't want to do it is because you are tapping into places that you swore you would never go again. Think about when you first started, you were like stuff that you knew that nobody knew. And you right here, like, okay, I'm DJ, I'm I'm straight. I know what I need to work on. But then after that therapist breaks it down, you're like, okay, you got me. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like being in a store and you steal something and you got every camera angle covered, you got everybody fooled. It's that one person that's like, yo, put that back. What? I don't got nothing. <laughs> or worse, so you going to play with me? Okay, so you ain't got nothing in your back pocket. Nah, what's back pocket? It's really in the right, but you pull out the left? All right, man, so we can do this the hard way or the easy way. But either way, I'm going to find out what is in you. And what are you going to do about it? And that's what a therapist will do to you without saying, yeah, I know. And what you going to do about it? Who likes that? Nobody like that. Nobody like getting caught out. If you are a man who is a, you know, a, a adulterer and you out here in these streets, as they say, and somebody tell you about it and you like, what? Hey, yeah, <laughs> it's not them, it's you. You know, like no one told you to get that job or to buy that house that you know you couldn't afford. So that's what therapy provides, that real life, you know, scenario for you that you was so scared to tap into. But that's what good therapists do. It hurts, but it hurts so good. So you as a therapist, and I and I, why we, I have this conversation about faith walks, so that we know that there has been some conversation around praying it through, mm -hmm. faithing it through, actually getting the services. But we do see a large transition now, where we see churches are now advocating. Good, go get the support that you need, yeah. um, and and allow these things to operate in tandem. Mm -hmm. um, and also sometimes that is someone else's ministry. Well, they have the word and knowledge and education for that. Um, how often do you see that in your experience and also see that in your work? So I'm seeing it more ever since COVID happened. You mm -hmm. see an influx of people who are actually coming to therapy because you don't have to go in. You know, you can do virtually. Mm -hmm. So that's very convenient for a lot of working class people because a lot of people really work, what, two to three jobs just to make it. That's crazy. So some people don't have time to go to 
a therapy appointment in Milford when they live in, you know, New Haven or Meriden, what have you. So it's good to see that the ministry and that other uh, faith, you know, based places are saying, hey, go ahead, go. It's all right. You can talk about it. And I always tell people that's good because you want someone who's unbiased. Like if you were to come to me and say, Mark Quick, he be my therapist, I'm going to tell you no. Because you will not be open. I appreciate that. And nor will I. <laughs> you know, for real. Because I'm sorry, I'm trying to do it with the right hand. You know, respect. Um, I don't want to look stupid on the camera. But, you know, you won't. It, there would not be that natural unbiased in us. Because I'm going to always say, Dad, I don't want DJ to look at me crazy. You're going to be like, I don't want to look. Are quite looking me crazy. So when a lot of my close friends say, you could be my therapist. No, I could be your support, but I'm not going to be a therapist because we would never get to that place of honesty because there will always be that backtrack of what if, what if. So to see more people coming to me, asking me, getting advice on how to start it, man, I love it. And I'm always there. Always there. Ooh, I got it. I figured it out. What it finally it? came. Okay. It's, it's, and I think this would, I'll say this for, for me, it would help me. It was when I chose my therapist, it really was about surrendering to the unknown. Mm, yes, that's big. Because I'm allowing this person to hold my secrets, the things that I don't think I can talk about. And the reason why it is always connected to my faith is because when I'm at the altar, my prayer is between me and this altar. Yep. It's not an open dialogue that I'm testifying to everyone else mm -hmm. unless some churches be doing that. They yep. make you sit in the chair. <laughs> But I'm saying for me, I'm going here and I felt so comfortable being able to do that. But also in the contrast of that, my outward appearance. Mm -hmm. Like so obviously when you're in therapy, you're the closed door. Yeah. Got, we got the soundproof rooms. Yeah. Um, but also at the altar where it was time to actually surrender, mm -hmm. it became difficult because you didn't want to you didn't want to see everyone else see your tears. Yes. And yes. that I think that's a very interesting part in that dialogue about what happens with the faith in the church. Cause sometimes it's not that the church is saying, just pray it through. Right. It's the appearance of the weakness that makes it difficult for some men to even consider this as an idea. Of course, of course. Like, you know, as again, being a black male, you don't want no one to see that you're weak. And that sense of vulnerability shows for some people that I'm weak. I can't do it. So a lot of people, they present in a way of like, well, I'm good. I'm fine. But then when they go home and it's like, they break down because it is tough. And again, we as men got to support. Like anytime I talk to anybody that I know, I always try to say, "You, I love you, man, or love, because mm -hmm. you just never know. And a lot of times, some people that come to you like, you know what, let me just ask you a question. And it's something that's heavy. I love that people can share those things with me and they feel comfortable with me. And I'm able to know how to receive it and also like, you know, put it out and help if I can. That's what I do love. In your experience, and I think now you use the word question, um, not just individuals not wanting to be vulnerable, not wanting to be weak, but also their inability to question mm -hmm. themselves, whether it be in therapy or the reason not going to therapy, because I think that exploration in terms of that, I mean, we, if we go to California, it's going to be a long trip. Yeah, definitely. So there's going to be some questions that need to be answered, but some mm -hmm. questions that need to be asked. Yeah. That how do, you, how, do you, how do you wrestle with that and how you process that for people? So for me, I tell everyone, we got to get that rapport. It takes four to six weeks before we can get to know each other. You know, if you were just going to the dentist, you don't want them just to throw you down and open your mouth and take out teeth. No. I want you to find out what's up. How am I feeling? What, what works? What didn't work? And that's what I do. So you have to know that this has to be a really, you know, uh, uh, open space where they can feel and talk to you because they, you know who I am. And most of my clients, when they talk to me, they said, well, thank you. And I, you know, I used to say, for what? For making me feel like a person. Because mm. you're not asking personal questions. It's like we're just talking. But I will always ask like a little question here. Chip, here, here. And then by the time the six weeks comes, they can tell me anything because I built that trust. It's a slow process. Like I said, by the time we talk, if we're in Connecticut, that four to six weeks, we're only in New York. And that's fine. We got time. We got time. Yeah, we got time. So that's that's a huge thing. But also to uh, to kind of, you know, segue back to what you were saying about faith. You know, when you're in the church and a lot of, you know, the old school ways, you learn about like, hey, you don't stop. You keep praying. If you if you pray, then, you know, and if you stop, then you're a failure. So a lot of people, they take that as like, I'm a failure. Like, no, it's like meaning don't stop what you're doing. you got to have faith 
You know, so a lot of people get that misconstrued. So that's why a lot of them were scared coming from a, you know, like a religious background to go to therapy. Because they felt like, well, if I'm not asking God, then I failed. Like, no, you're, you're actually doing what he's telling you to do. Seek knowledge, right? Like, if this person can't do it, then why would you want to continue to do something that they don't know or you? You know, if you're a wide receiver, you wouldn't ask a lineman how to run a route. No, I wouldn't. Not. Unless it's me. But other than that, <laughs> you wouldn't ask a lineman. You know, you'll go to someone that's a wide receiver. So same with therapists. And I think that a lot of uh, 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 people of faith and, you know, pastors and ministers are understanding that, like, hey, this is my realm, but this is someone who can actually, you know, go from there. And I got two. So I, got, I want to make sure my first one, I got to get it right. You said something about how appreciative some of your clients are when they said they were they you made me feel like a person right and from your particular diet like medical background um counseling background when we think about the larger city and once someone gets to the point of asking the question and they said you made me feel like a person what are you seeing as part of their experience before that because when someone says i be i i felt like a person i have to ask the question well what were you before that they felt like an animal you got to think about it. If you meet with a white therapist who is not trying to connect with you, they're going to make it feel like a doctor session more than a therapy session. They're going to make you feel like I need to hurry up so I can bill you, so I can get a diagnosis, so I can get paid, versus like a simple question. And I always ask, and it's so simple, how are you doing today? And a lot of people are like, what? What do you mean? How? And they don't think about it because we as humans, we just rush. How are you doing today? And some people, don't, they don't even know how to answer that because they're so used to running a rabbit race. So that lets me know that they don't have time for themselves and other people didn't have time for them. So I'm really delicate with that and appreciative of that because, again, as a black man, we know how society treats us uh -huh. and sees us. Yeah, you know, we can doctor and therapist, but once we leave and go to certain places, let's be real, people are going to look at us like, it's like we walked in the building. Right. <laughs> yeah. But now, if now, but if somebody else that wasn't from here were to see that, they would have ran in the building. But we like, all right, one, what's going on? Because we nosy. We, we, we from it. So it's entertaining. Like... And two, it's like, okay, do I need to be safe? Again, we're processing all these things at once. Now, imagine someone who is not as, you know, mentally stable in their life right now as we are. And who is from the hood, they got a process. Okay, am I going to get shot? They're going to kill me. Who is this? Do I got beef with them? And their mind is racing. Imagine how they feel. Imagine from someone who's not from here. They would have ran in here and been scared of us. I'm glad we wasn't afraid. I know. So glad. <laughs> I'm so glad but, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> but in the in the authentic reality, and I and I think, and I, I remember doing this one time in one of my sessions with my with my um therapist. And and I I was so thankful of everything that I was able to unpack and explore, and he mad at me today. I probably I missed the session because I was running around too much and I just didn't get stuff done. Oh, I'll tell myself uh, thank you. Yeah, I got you. But I I thought specifically about asking him how is your day? Because I understand you doing the service. This is the, right. I, I always understand this process even for for men or therapists or folks that are in that kind of public service space. It becomes important to ask the question to the that provider um, because they have this green this green mile moment mm -hmm. because you're constantly absorbing teachers eating and I and I and I and I tell the story and I just to be completely transparent and I and I remember how much it broke me mm. and I watched a student get suspended he did something at school he shouldn't have did uncle comes in and instead of the reaction going well. It didn't go well. He was yelling. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching the student go to the car, turn around, come back, and is banging on the school door. And what I saw, it wasn't just the fact that he was in trouble or just kind of like, folks, I'm, I've seen kids run away from their parents. Right, yeah. It was fear. Of course. And I never thought about how many times have I seen trauma in buildings that I had to go into the secretary's office, get in the corner, because I was emotionally exhausted and and overwhelmed right. 
by the capacity of what it required to do this. And so the reason I ask you the question, how are you doing today? And I think about my therapist, because sometimes no one ever asks you that. Mm -hmm. And you've had to unpack, digest. And, and one of the realities that I do realize with folks that are in the counseling space Sometimes they share genuine connections with people that they like. They cool. Yeah. So when you say you came to my therapist, like yo, I, bro, like we, there's there's some boundaries. Like <laughs> not just that I'm seeing you and I know you, that I also have to make sure that I'm able to be objective. Yes. In my counseling of you, yeah. not just because you my guy. I want to make sure you solid. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I have and I'm right now. I'm trying to operate where you're solid, and you being solid might not always be the best thing. What you need right now. That's true. That's true. You know, saying as a therapist, if my clients say, "How are you doing?" That makes me feel good because I know that they're in tune with themselves, mm. right? Like they understand, like it's not just about me; it's about everyone else, and that's a key. And it might seem so minute to a lot of people, but it lets you know that people are in tune with themselves. And you know, you you work with people and you're educating them on like how to you know be in tune, how to find this for yourself, you know what have you. But hearing your client say that, and if you if you say that, and when you say that, they're gonna be like, okay, they're ready. Mm. That's that's a that's a key because it's so subtle right there. It's dope that you say they ready and they ready for what? Whatever, whatever. Like they ready for this session. Like they ready to be present in the moment. Because mm. how many people really say, you know, how are you doing today? Because they're waiting for you as a therapist to start it. Like, hey, what's going on? I'm good. Usually people don't say how you doing. Some do, but again, it takes time. A lot of my clients say that once we pass that 46 week because they feel a part of the session now. Mm. They feel like we have a connection. So most people, if you don't know them, you're not going to ask how you're doing all the time. You're going to ask that one time. I'm going to see how you're doing because I'm supposed to. And if I see you again, I know that you're alive and you're okay. And that's how we live. I'm going to share something, and I think it was important. My daughter said it today, and it made me think exactly what you just said. And this father-free, father, father, father. Mm -hmm. Um... She said, are we late to school? I said, yeah, we we about five minutes late. I said, but it's important that you're present. Right. She said, I like that word. I said, why? She said, at the end of school yesterday, everybody went around the room and they talked about their emotions. And okay. I don't know if she's going to be a PhD or not. They go around the Probably. room, everybody talking about, she said, I didn't have any jumpy feelings. And everybody's talking about their feelings and everything going. And she said, I, I said, what did you say? She said, I felt present. I'm like, you six. Like, what you know about presence? She know. She feel it. And that was a, I think it was powerful to hear her say that, that most people don't describe, a six-year-old describes their emotions saying, I'm here. Not how I'm talking about chronic absenteeism. <laughs> She's saying, I'm, I feel good and I'm present. Yes. In this space, there's nothing else in my environment. And I, I felt proud as a father to even hear that. Um, you know what else she felt? I don't mean to cut you up. No, go she, for it. I like that. She felt protected. Because mm. how many kids in, like you work with felt present? Because they're just waiting to hurry up so they can go home or they just hurry up or they don't even want the school day to end because they know what's coming. I work at the detention center and so mm. many kids, it's sad because their best time and their best meals, their best everything is with us. So think about that. How many kids are actually present? They're not. They're not present. They are there, but they're not present. They can't be. And I, I, I contrast that because I think we think like in the like the um, in someone's personal space, mm -hmm. and so I think about those that become guarded for right. the moment. Same we were outside, and someone go something going down. Like I've already, I'm present enough to be aware of my surrounding, yeah. but I'm present in a, in a particular way, yeah. which is different than what my daughter's talking about. This calmness of protection. I'm here in the room. I love everyone else. Is loving on each other. We're good. Versus like, if if, we, if I'm outside and I'm like I'm present because I under, I'm understanding circumstance, but I'm I'm gripping and I'm grappling yeah. with the presence that I think I need to have in this moment, even when there's a not there's not an immediate threat. Yeah. And I and I and I think about that more and more with some of the kids that we work with and, and trying to help them is that you're already guarded. I understand that you're already preparing for something that's not happening. Yeah. And your your sense of self and your sense of environment is telling you that whether this was something that happened before or this is something you're anticipating happening in this encounter. And so I need to be present in this moment mm -hmm. to react. Yeah. Having that trauma response. That's what it is. It's a trauma response because they know if it didn't happen, then it might happen. And if it 
didn't happen yet, then it's going to happen in the future. So I need to be ready because this is what I know. I have to be on guard. So those kids aren't present. They are ever present. Mm. And I think that when you live in a hood and you live in the inner city, a lot of parents are teaching their kids how to have those trauma responses just in case someone do something, which is sad. So to hear that his daughter said, I'm present, that means that she felt protected. And a lot of people aren't protected and present because they have a trauma response to what's going to happen next. So they can't enjoy it. So I bring that back to that faith conversation of saying, when someone's anticipating the reaction of the congregation or the fear and the weakness, mm -hmm. that does it become important that the person needs to be present in the space to be able to to be able to receive whatever is here or ever work in that moment? Mm -hmm. Because I find it difficult if I'm in the back wherever I'm sitting at, trying to decide where am I sitting, what, what and why am I even choosing this seat? Right. But I'm not able to. I walk up here. Who looking at me? And then to get there and to say, how can I be in this moment to be able to allow whatever needs to be received, whatever calling needs to be that needs to present itself? Mm -hmm. That I'm missing. I'm missing something by not doing that. Right. But also, but the reality that there's, there's this anxiety around fear. There's an anxiety around perceptions mm -hmm. that I think that it becomes hard in the society that we live to relinquish that idea. Yeah, of course. And it will always be if you're not in tune with yourself. Mm. If you're not in tune with yourself, you're thinking about everything but what needs to happen. And that's why when you talk about enjoying the process, mm. because, the pro because the process enjoying prepares the process. you yeah. for the ending. And it, and it prepares you for where you need to go. Because think about, right, like what you did in grad school, what you did in your doctoral program. Yeah, that was all fine and dandy, but it was preparing to get that, you know, degree. It was preparing to become the doctor that made you who you are. Now imagine if you weren't present, you would have forgot everything that you learned. There's days I do forget stuff I learned though. Yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> I know, I know right. what you mean though. But so for me, and I tell people, I had a lot of trauma growing up. I can't remember a lot of what I learned from kindergarten to 12th grade because I wasn't present. But once I received my master's, I was able to become a, you know, a better person. So I was able to you know, understand my purpose and be present and enjoy it. Mm. And when a lot of these kids, a lot of people aren't in the moment, they lose it. And that's sad. And they do things that look like they're mean, they're upset, but they're really anxious, like you talked about. Mm -hmm. It's not that they are a-holes, it's just that they're just trying to survive. They don't know how to say or even take a, a, a nice compliment. You know, think about how many times you told somebody, oh, man, you look good. What you trying to say? <laughs> trying to say you look nice. Oh, you trying to be funny? <laughs> all right, okay. And then, you know, being from New Haven, we all, like, got Nobody like, loves giving compliments until, exactly. you, until you're in the grave. Cause, yo, because the thing about, like, if you were a man telling another man, yo, that look nice. Pause. Come on. You know how it is. You know, so it's the masculine way of, you know, trying to dumb it down, try to say thank you. Think about, how, like, like, when... Instead of saying, yo, you look nice, they were like, okay, nephew, I see you. You got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But why do we have to, though? Why do we have to? Why do we have to? Or, like, why is somebody talking? Like, one thing I can't stand, and I mentioned it, pause. I, I'm not saying pause, man. If I'm talking to you, I'm a grown man. I'm not saying pause, man. I know what I like. I don't, you know, knock nobody that do, but I'm I'm secure with myself. I don't got to say pause, man. That's why do you, why, so I, I'm going to ask that question for my last, why do you think, we someone needs that as their coping and defense because to show that I'm a man, I'm tough. You know, I'm 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 not gay. Again, I'm not offending no one. You know, I want for no one that is. But again, in the black culture, it's like you have to be heterosexual. That represents strong dominance. So if you are someone who is not, you know, of that, then you're weak, which is not true. You know, some of our greatest writers and greatest people. Uh, who, who are you know African American are in the LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. but again, <clears throat> our culture teaches us that you know. Um, but if you don't have a sense of who you are, anything that's said will be used against you to yourself. And I, I like that you say that, but also I, I, I ain't worried about it. And, I, and we're grown enough, and I I do think that part of it is not just that. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we started talking about just weakness, yeah, and whatever it's. Um, unconscious bias association that's with it is that, and I remember, I, I gotta tell this, like, this is a real, real, talk, real story. 
I've had more people come to me in the season that I'm in right now and talk about what my athletic career was when I was young, mm-hmm. but would never give a compliment then. And mm-hmm. I and I and I always found it interesting that when you play on team sports, that someone couldn't give you a compliment at that right. time. And I don't think he thought he was trying to get at me, but it was this idea of his positionality was in question by even yes. by even like you know folks shake hands and say yeah. well if you if you if you trying to fl- you trying to flip the wrist yeah. you are trying to have a conversation with me so when we're in this mental space or like even dialogue and conversation it's like well yo man that's those some nice jays and 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 not even that sometimes it's not like yo it could be like well it could be like those some nice shoes or it could be Give me them shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but yeah. I think about I think about that moment, how we use language, yeah. and and me not even being afraid of like, well, I go do just like this this person on you, or I'm like, I don't need to say that. But the reality is that they're trying to defend something that's not actually happening, yes. and that's part of that present moment that I think about when you're describing that because it's not just about that, but even at the, the reality of what someone is deciding to think. It's like, all right, nephew, I see you. I see you getting it. I don't know if he liked the suit, he wanted the suit, he wanted to give a compliment, <laughs> but I'm understanding his language in terms of yes. he's comfortable and to be able to say, yo, that's 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 a nice sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might not be for me, but it looked good on you. Yeah. And and I and I and I, I think that becomes very important in terms of that part of that development. But I say that I really say that because my real last question is really when we think about the process and when we when we figure out how are you doing, I'm ready, when does it end? Because me as an educator, I recognize that my faith don't stop, knowledge don't stop, like until it, until it need to stop. Right. Um, but when, from your perspective, professional perspective, when does it end? Because I know sometimes folks would be booking a couple sessions, like, all right, right. man, you good? Because everybody, I mean, are you going to have this lifelong journey, the same reality it takes to get to California with that person? How do you know when it's time to find someone else? When this when I, this person's finally worked their way through my process, mm-hmm. and they're just on a they're on a new journey, am I am I equipped to provide them with the skills that I need necessary to do that? So I tell someone when you get a haircut and it's the best haircut you ever got in your life, <laughs> are you ever gonna go back to the barber? Yeah, of course, because you need maintenance. You're always gonna need maintenance. We're always gonna need someone that's gonna continue to challenge us all the time. Because if I say okay, I'm cured. No, I'm better, but I always need to be in a space of where I can do better. I can be better. And you always going to need someone that can challenge you, you know, because a lot of times we're in a role where we probably are in position of power or we at the space to where a lot of people think that we're OK. But we know as, you know, black men who are, you know, real with ourselves that we would never be perfect. So we are reaching for that level of perfection, even though we won't get there, mm. but we're reaching for it. So you're always going to need that maintenance because a lot of times we as humans, we go back to what's comfortable. A lot of times what's comfortable for us is not always good for us. I'm glad that you're saying that because I'm, I'm a, because we do see that everyone, that's a, they've been mm-hmm. and then they finished. Yep. And and because I never believe that there's an, there's an actual date there's no end. Unless your insurance run out. Uh, <laughs> but there's true. not a there's not a date that it actually says, oh, I know today it's over because now I'm in a new season. And and, and, and that's why it made me think about it. I'm going to use one of my words because I, I took one counseling class. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I realized that one of my strongest keys, if I were to become a counselor, is that I, I'm, I'm more probably an existential therapist. Okay. What I did realize when I went through the class and going through the different styles of therapy Honesty is when you meet that proper therapist that's able to say, not just because of the bias, that my skill is not going to work with you. Yeah. And I, and I want, you, I just want you to talk to them at the process because everyone doesn't really know what all the styles are. Mm-hmm. But also, someone having honesty to saying, you know what, I'm a confrontational therapist, and what you need right now is probably not going to be that. So when I have to confront you, I'm probably going to do a little more harm and damage, but I don't have the skill. To do the other thing. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm right, saying right, as an yeah, example, yeah. that that level of honesty taught me in that class that I can be with someone that's either willing to learn, pass you to someone else, mm-hmm. because if they're really thinking about the care, it's they they need to figure out I'm not the one for this job. Yeah. And I think about it in just things that I do. Like, yo, I'm not the right person for this conversation, 
but I know somebody that could yeah. really tap in. Especially when you're dealing with women who are, you know, who had a lot of trauma, you know, uh, especially rape victims and someone that looks like you. You know, you have to know your your niche and say, listen, you're a good person, but I know for me, it's going to be emotionally too tough for you. You know, when I was working outpatient at like a local clinic and, you know, I had a female, she was nice. She She's like, you are great, but it's a trigger because you look like someone, you know, that abused me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank you for understanding. And that's someone who's ready because they're willing to, you know, tell you what they need. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that that's okay. And again, to be intentionally, you know, a good helper, that's the key. And mm. I know I couldn't help her, you know, again. Intentionally like, a good helper. You have to be because if you're saying, no, just come with me, you'll just work through it. Now, some people you do need to do that with, right? Uh-huh. Some people, not, no, you're going to, you're just trying to get away. And But some people you know, like, this is not going to be a good fit because of what your experiences are and how far this can go. But again, like I, like I, like I asked you, Know, being a receiver, you wouldn't go to alignment and ask how to do footwork. No, except for me, you would be like, no, I'm, I'm going to this coach. I got you. So, so as we kind of close up, I want to make sure you get the last word um, because okay. I think this, just bringing everything together, uh, we talked about being the father, the inspiration of the wife, mm-hmm. submission, vulnerability, accountability, fear, weakness, um, confronting our struggle, faith and connection with church and in the ministry and also counseling and trying to become their best self. And I think that's, I mean, largely that's the thing yeah. that we kind of have found that this is people are going on their particular life journeys to find themselves and use whatever tools that are available in their disposal. Um, but what is your recommendation for the space that we are in now? I was like, let's just think New Haven because I don't know who else watching this, but <laughs> for New Haven specifically, what is more that we can be doing um, and you're, you're doing so that folks can kind of find the services that we obviously, as we saw at the door, mm-hmm. that folks that folks folks so desperately need. Well, this podcast is going to be international, so I want to talk to someone <laughs> in Bangladesh. I want to talk to someone in Jamaica. Thank you. Um, in California. <laughs> you know, in order to get help, you have to know that you need it. You know, because some people are not ready for it. Even though they know they might not be the best person, but you got to find someone that you can trust. Mm-hmm. You got to understand like therapy is a process, but it's also to help you become better. Mm-hmm. Like anything, it's tough, it's going to hurt, but I promise you it gets better before it gets worse, you know, if you continue to use it and let it work, you know. So it's going to be tough at first. It's going to be hard. It's going to be something that you never experienced. But once you let it work, you're going to be like, okay, this was the best thing. And just don't give up. I need to I need to send my therapist a text and let him know I missed today's session. But I'm sure he'll. I think, I think he'll, 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 he'll hold me down. I'll show him the video. Yeah. So where can everybody find you at? So you can go to my Facebook page, Marquette M A R Q U E T. Uh, you can also find me on Saturday nights on ninety four point three WYBC www.943wybc.com. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger podcast. Sound like that podcast on every podcast platform. Man, I want to thank you, man, because. Hey, man, you got me here quick, man. I mean, because once this thing blow up. Work is work. Listen, once this <laughs> thing blow up, just just let people know that you know me, man. That's it. That's it, man. This is the Dr. DJ Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. DJ, sponsored by LGBG. Let God be God, and we are out.